Ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to introduce a new sponsor to the podcast. Hillsdale College has been a longtime sponsor of the broadcast. And for the new year, they've graciously agreed to exclusively sponsor the first hour or segment of the podcast. I believe deeply in the principles and mission of Hillsdale College, which I share with you during the upcoming segment. My thanks and appreciation to Hillsdale College for their long partnership with the show. And now, the podcast. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, We now have a Democrat Party, media, and some Republicans, but a Democrat Party for sure, that advocates for infanticide. You know what infanticide is? It's a person who kills an infant, especially their own child. We're told that needs to be left to the mother and the doctor, like hell it does. Like hell it does. What kind of insanity is that? We'll get to that. We now have a Democrat party that believes stealing someone else's wealth and property is not only acceptable, it's fair and compassionate. Well, I'm here to tell you stealing somebody else's wealth and property, I don't care how rich they are, is fascism, communism. We have candidates who want to prevent you from buying private health care. Kamala Harris let it out of the bag. Now she's trying to walk it back only because she's, she said it too soon. They want to nationalize our health care. That's what they want to do. And prevent you from having any private sector choices. Is that what you want? We have a Democrat party that refuses to protect this country. They are constantly undermining the military. They are constantly undermining our law enforcement. They are constantly refusing to secure the southern border. Is that normal? What kind of party is this? This Democrat party. I blame the Republicans. They're incapable of confronting these people. They're incapable of exposing these people. This guy from uh, Starbucks, who's a liberal, he donated to Obama and so forth, but he's now moving over because he wants to distinguish himself from the uh, left-wing rat pack over there. He's saying more things in the last 72 hours. I'm not supporting him, and I don't pretend he's a conservative, but he is saying more things in the last 72 hours, challenging the hard left within the Democrat Party, than I've ever heard McConnell say, McCarthy say, Paul Ryan say, and he's going on TV shows repeatedly saying these things. The Democrat Party is not a socialist party. As my friend George Reisman constantly says, socialism is control of the means of production. But I would argue 
it's becoming more and more a soft Marxist party. Marxism being an ideology more than anything else. And I think they are moving towards controlling certain industries, not through outright theft, although you hear more and more of it, like from DiCamio, the mayor of New York City and others, but through regulation and taxation. The Democrat Party in this country, in many respects, has become extremely dangerous to any notion of Americanism. You know, folks, when a country doesn't protect its babies, there's something terribly wrong. When people can get elected governor, senator, congressman, run for president, and talk about infanticide as a woman's choice, as long as a doctor's there to advise. I say that says all you need to know about a culture. A corrupt, poisonous, dying culture. I found this book. Bear with me, you know how I am. It's ten years old in about a month. Very interesting book. I turned to page eight of this book, which came out in 2009, and it says... The status has an insatiable appetite for control. His sights are set on his next meal even before he has fully digested his last. He is constantly agitating for government action, and in furtherance of that purpose, the status speaks in the tongue of the demagogue, concocting one pretext and grievance after another to manipulate public perceptions and build popular momentum for the divestiture of liberty and property from its rightful possessors. The industrious, earnest, and successful are demonized as perpetrators of various offenses against the public good, which justifies governmental intervention on behalf of an endless parade of victims. In this way, the perpetrator and the victim are subordinated to the government's authority. The former by outright theft, the latter by a dependent existence. In truth, both are made victims by the real perpetrator, the status. That makes sense, Mr. Producer? The status veils his pursuits and moral indignation, intoning in high dungeon the injustices and inequities of liberty and life itself, for which only he can provide justice and bring a righteous resolution. And when the resolution proves elusive, as it undoubtedly does, whether the Marxist promise of the workers' paradise or the great society's war on poverty, the status demands ever more authority to wring out the imperfections of mankind's existence. Unconstrained by constitutional prohibitions, what is left to limit the status ambitions but his own moral compass, which has led him astray? He's never circumspect about his own shortcomings. Failure is not the product of his beliefs, but merely want of power and resources. Thus are born endless rationalizations for seizing ever more government authority. In the midst stands the individual was a predominant focus of the founders. When living freely and pursuing his own legitimate interests, the individual displays qualities that are antithetical to the statists, initiative, self-reliance, and independence. As the status is building a culture of conformity and dependency, where the ideal citizen takes on drone-like qualities in service to the state, 
The individual must be drained of uniqueness and self-worth and deterred from independent thought or behavior. And this is achieved through varying methods of economic punishment and political suppression. The status also knows that despite his successful usurpations, enough citizens are still skeptical and even distrustful of politicians and government that he cannot face his will, his will all at once, cannot force his will all at once. Thus he marches in incremental steps, adjusting his pace as circumstances dictate. Today his pace is more rapid, for resistance has slowed. And in no time does the status do an about-face. But not those... But not those with some who claim the mantle of conservatism but are in truth neostatists. Who would have the conservative abandon the high ground of the founding principles for the quicksand of a soft tyranny. This was written almost ten years ago. So numerous are liberty's treasures that they defy cataloging. How many entrepreneurs and jobs might have been created? How many people might have been saved from illness and disease? How many more poor children might have been fed but for the additional costs, market dislocations, and management inefficiencies that distort supply and demand or discourage research and development as a result of the federal government's role? Liberty's permeance in American society often makes its manifestations elusive or invisible to those born into it. Even if liberty is acknowledged, it is often taken for granted and its permanence assumed. Therefore, under these circumstances, the status agenda can be alluring even to a former advisor to a Republican president. It's not recognized as an increasingly corrosive threat to liberty, but rather as coexisting with it. The conservative does not despise government, he despises tyranny. This is precisely why the conservative reveres the Constitution and insists on adherence to it. A so-called effective government that operates outside its constitutional limitations is a dangerous government. But abandoning principle for efficiency, the neo-statist, it seems, is no more bound to the Constitution than is the statist. He marches more slowly than the statist, but he marches with him nonetheless. The neo-statist propounds no discernible standard or practical means to him in the federal power he helps unleash and which the status would exploit. In many ways, he is as objectionable as the status, for he seeks to devour conservatism by clothing himself in, nom- in its nomenclature. The conservative is alarmed by the ascent of a soft tyranny and its cheery acceptance by the neo-statist. He knows that liberty once lost is rarely recovered. He knows of the decline and eventual failure of past republics. He knows that the best prescription for addressing society's real and perceived ailments is not to further empower an already enormous federal government beyond its constitutional limits, but to return to the founding principles. A free people living in a civil society, working in self-interested cooperation, and a government operating with the limits of its authority, promote more prosperity, opportunity, and happiness for more people than any alternative. Conservatism is the antidote to tyranny, precisely because its principles are the founding principles. This is my book, Liberty and Tyranny. That's from chapter one. In March, it will have been out a decade. This book launched 
a liberty revolution 10 years ago with the Tea Party. The Tea Party in 2010 gave the Republicans the House of Representatives. They chose John Boehner as their leader. In 2014, the Tea Party gave Mitch McConnell and the Republicans the Senate. And the Tea Party, attracted to Donald Trump and Ted Cruz, ultimately chose Donald Trump. We're the same people, with the same concerns, with the same principles, and the same beliefs. John Boehner in Florida yesterday or today is trashing talk radio. He hates my guts because he knows that I was involved in his displacement. He took advantage of the Tea Party. Mitch McConnell has done exactly the same thing. Whenever a traditional conservative challenges one of his his lapdogs, he pours enormous amounts of money into these Republican state primaries that have nothing to do with Kentucky to defeat our candidates. When he said yesterday, I really don't care if we have a narrow deal or a broader deal, I just want a deal, that said it all. When you and I hear about this infanticide that's being promoted by the Democrats, when you and I hear about a plan to steal wealth from a wealthy person that they earned, when you and I hear that some politician says they're going to nationalize and effect or eliminate the private health care sector, so that you and I have no choices whatsoever? When you and I, year after year, have to deal with politicians that, will ref- that refuse to secure our, our country, our southern border, undermine our military, undermine our police, trash our faith? Well, we've had it. We've had enough. Very little has changed in 10 years. Boehner, McConnell, Rove, Bush, Romney, McCain, I said, I believe. What did they do? Most of them betrayed us. The left marches on. They never have enough. You can never surrender enough of your wealth or enough of your liberty. There'll be no end to this. There'll be no end to this. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. One hundred and seventy-five years. That's how long Hillsdale College has been around. As we start a new year, Hillsdale's entering its hundred and seventy-fifth year, but in all of that time, it still holds the same principles since eighteen forty-four. The college was founded to teach students to seek truth, to recognize what is beautiful and to hold up what is good. Most colleges have lost their way and are now in the grip of political correctness. They reject the idea of objective truth and peddle moral and cultural relativism. Not Hillsdale College. Hillsdale continues to provide sound learning essential to preserving civil and religious liberty. Hillsdale is my favorite college because it has stayed true to that mission and extends it nationwide on behalf of Liberty. From its free online courses to its free speech digest and primus, from training leaders at their Kirby Center in Washington, D.C., to helping establish classical K-12 through charter schools nationwide, Hillsdale is educating Americans to restore our freedom. 
pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. This is Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu to learn more. That's hillsdale.edu. Heard the, uh, the governor of Virginia. We'll get to that, right, Mr. Producer? You know about the governor of New York. Governor of New York is a purported practicing Catholic. I'm not a Catholic, but I am Jewish. And I believe people of faith understand the difference between a choice and a life. I see this all the time whether it's Judaism or Catholicism or whatever it is. People who self-identify, who are born into or brought up in a particular faith, and yet they defy their faith. They defy their faith. Separation of church and state, you say. Really? So where does our morality come from? Where does our morality come from? The founders of this country... They didn't fight a revolutionary war and establish a nation in order to eliminate religion from the public square. The founders didn't mean that one religion prevails over all others. The founders didn't mean that you should be compelled to practice a faith that you don't believe in. But the founders did believe in a Judeo-Christian morality. There's no questioning that. There's no doubt about that. I like how they point to Jefferson and and Franklin and they say, well, what about them? They were deists. Well, deist is not an atheist. Not an atheist. They're not even agnostic. You had individuals at the Declaration, at the uh, Second Continental Congress, and you had them also at the Constitutional Convention of various faiths including Roman Catholic, including Jewish. And, of course, other uh, Christian denominations. On the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment, nobody ever talked about secularism. They didn't even know what it was. They knew about atheism. Nobody stood up and argued for atheism. You can be free from religion or free to practice your religion. But free from religion doesn't mean that society abandons the Ten Commandments in the, in, the, in the public square or other religious symbols or beliefs. It is really quite a, a pathetic irony when you look at the front of the Supreme Court of the United States. <clears throat> and there's Moses and Jesus and other symbols of religion carved right into the marble. It was built in the 1920s. You try and do that at a courthouse now or a public school, or any place of that sort. I'll be right back. Have you ever thought about the word education? It means to lead forth. Now let me tell you about a place that leads forth. Hillsdale College. At Hillsdale, students are challenged to discover the right way forth by reading the greatest books by the greatest minds in history. And they learn the meaning of the three ultimate and related things, the good, the true, and the beautiful. Now, unfortunately, many of our nation's other colleges have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. But as we begin a new year, we can be thankful that none of this applies to Hillsdale College. 
For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. As Hillsdale enters its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. This is Hillsdale College. Please visit Hillsdale. Go to hillsdale.edu to learn more. That's hillsdale.edu. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. Kathy Tran is one of many members of the Virginia House of Delegates. The Virginia House of Delegates, oh my goodness. Where so much of our history was. So much of our history and so much now of our decline. Kathy Tran is a member of the House of Delegates. I never heard of her before. At a hearing this week, she introduced her bill. Her bill provides for abortion during labor. During labor. During birth. Ask yourself... Well, how do you actually conduct that abortion? See, we use this word abortion, abort, because it's so, it just doesn't get the character of what's taking place, does it? It doesn't describe it properly. It's so dehumanizing. If somebody kills a pregnant dog, they don't talk about, well, you know, the puppies uh, would have been, uh, they talk about the puppies, right? Same people, often, who talk about puppies and kittens, refuse to call human babies babies when they're in the womb. Most states, under their criminal codes, you kill a pregnant mother... That's two counts of murder. And yet they call it a choice. How do they get away with this moral incoherence? But you would think we could at least agree that when the baby's in the birth canal, when the baby is in the birth canal, that that baby is a human being. Now most of us know that that baby is a human being, period. But you would think everybody would agree, right? That during labor, that during the birth process, it's not a mother's choice. It's not a mother's choice in consultation with her doctor. It's God's choice. That's a baby. That's a baby. What kind of animals have we become? How inhumane have we become? Where does this end? 
And here's the proposal by a delegate to the Virginia House of Delegates, Kathy Tran, being questioned by a Republican delegate, Todd Gilbert. Cut 13, go. No, no I'm talking about your bill. How, yeah, how, late, I mean- how late in the third trimester could a, a physician perform an abortion if he indicated it would impair the mental health of the, of the woman? Or physical health. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm uh, talking about the mental health. So, I mean, through the third trimester. The third trimester goes all the way up to 40 weeks. Okay. But to the end of the third trimester. Yep. I don't think we have a limit in the bill. So, um, where it's obvious that a woman is about to give birth, she has physical signs of, um, that she is about to give a birth, would that still be a point at which she could request an abortion if she was so certified? She's dilating. Uh, Mr. Chairman, that would be a, you know, a decision that the doctor, the physician, and the woman I understand that. that. I'm asking if your bill allows that. My bill would allow that, yes. Yes, yes, yes. The bill allows that, of course. And how dare you question her, Mr. Chairman? After all, you're a male. I'm sick of that, too. We men love our children, too. We men would die for our children. We would kill for our children. We also provide for our children. They're also our flesh and blood. And I don't want to hear ever again, period, that I'm a man and I don't get to have a decision in this. I sure as hell do, and so do you. Murder is murder. This is a murder bill. That's what it is. Call it what it is. Well, the abortion... Cut it out! And then we have the governor of Virginia. Supposed to be a moderate. Nobody knew who the hell he was, Ralph Northam. He's a physician, you know. He's not only a physician, he's a pediatric physician. So he knows kids, and he loves them. The former lieutenant governor. He was being interviewed on a radio show today. Go ahead, Mr. Producer. First thing I would say, this is why decisions such as this should be made by providers, uh, physicians, uh, and uh, the uh, mothers uh, and fathers that, that are involved. Um, there are, you know, when we talk about third trimester... How, how do people talk so quietly and... And emotionally, and look, this is this is this is a decision, you know, that the providers. What the hell's a provider? That the providers, the physicians, the mothers, and the fathers, that they should be making on their own. No, somebody's going to stand up for the baby, right? Somebody has to stand up for the baby, right? There are two human beings involved here: the birth-giving mother. And the baby. Somebody has to look out for the baby. Can you imagine this thinking in the wrong hands, Mr. Producer? Can you imagine this justification in the wrong hands, in the wrong mindset? What could happen? Well, we're having looser restrictions on abortion. And looser restrictions on abortion? You're killing people. 
Now, what's interesting from my perspective is I don't even come from this with a with a deep religious belief in this. No, I see it with my own two eyes. I process it in my own brain. Go ahead. These are done uh, with the consent uh, of obviously the, the mother, with the consent uh, of the physicians, more than one physician, by the way. Um, and it's done in cases where there may be severe deformities, there may be a, a, a fetus that's non-viable. So in this particular example... Now, uh, hold on a minute. Well, what about circumstances where it's a perfectly healthy baby? You see, ladies and gentlemen, they can be killed too. We have enormously evil and dishonest politicians. Enormously evil and dishonest politicians. Go ahead. If a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. What would happen? Um, the infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. So, what, what does that mean? I even had us write it out so I could. The infant would be resuscitated. If that's what the mother and the family desired, and then a discussion would assume between the physicians and the mother, that can only mean that the baby's been born. Am I missing something, guys? Seriously, that the baby's been born, and then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother? What kind of discussion? What do you need a discussion for? What kind of a... What kind of common is this? The infant would be, I'm reading it, the infant would be resuscitated if that's what the mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. Go ahead. So I think this was really blown out of proportion. Uh, but again, we want the government not to be involved in Wrong! wrong if our government stands for anything it stands for life it stands for protecting people from becoming victims what do you mean you don't want the government involved in this don't we have laws against murder rape burglary robbery jaywalking we got the government involved in every damn thing the difference is we want the government to represent our values Since when did we become a country that kills our own babies? It's a choice. No, it's not. Go ahead. Decisions. We want the decision to be made by uh, the, the mothers and their providers. And, and this is why... The mothers and the providers can make decisions. But one decision they cannot make is killing the baby. You know, in this state, as in most states, you've got these child protective services who become increasingly onerous. Send your kids down the street, they come back when it's sundown, somebody reports you, then you're under the gun. You're under their finger. 
normal things that you used to do as a kid, kids today are not free to do, and if parents allow them to do it, well, as I say, they're under the gun of the government. And yet, when it comes to protecting the baby, even here, you heard this guy, you heard what he said. You heard what the proponent of this legislation said. Well, we don't want the government involved in that. That's between the provider, the, the, the physicians, the mother, the this one, the that one. They all get to decide on that. Really? Really? This is what happens. When the left takes over, when you secularize a society, when you're unmoored from morals, when you're unmoored from constitutional principles, when anything goes, anything goes, and they pretend that they stand up for the vulnerable. No, they don't. They stand on the vulnerable. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what is beautiful, and hold up what is good. But the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. As Hillsdale enters its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, this is Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu to learn more. That's hillsdale.edu. Hillsdale.edu. When I first got in the radio, the word was, there are two things you don't discuss. You lose your audience, abortion and religion. I've discussed abortion since the day I've been on the radio, and religion too. These aren't something I focus on day in and day out, but why wouldn't you? And we're going to have to discuss it a lot more. Because we're having to defend everything in this country, everything. And people wave around the religion they're born in, Catholicism, Judaism, or whatever, and then they, and there's some kind of a justification for embracing these, these unthinkable policies. Unthinkable. You know, uh, Nick Searcy, who uh, acted in and was essential in the Gosnell movie, he talks about what Gosnell did and what he was convicted of in Philadelphia. It was a horror. A horror. He said on January 22, 2019, almost everything Gosnell and his staff did was legalized by the state of New York. He's writing at uh, Town Hall. And I would argue it looks like Democrats in Virginia want to do the same thing. They've taken over the state Senate 
and they're a couple votes away from taking over the state house. And they have the governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general. And look, just in one cycle, look what they push. Gosnell was convicted of killing breathing infants that had already been born. It's now legal in New York to kill an infant that survives an abortion. He's convicted of allowing untrained and unlicensed non-medical personnel to perform abortions. It's now legal in New York for non-physicians or any health professionals, quote-unquote, undefined to perform abortions. He was convicted of performing at least 21 late-term abortions past the legal limit of 24 weeks. It's now legal in New York to terminate a pregnancy up until the due date. In New York, there's no longer any such thing as late-term abortion. I'm going to put it to you this way. Governor Andrew Cuomo is the new Kermit Gosnell. Even worse. He just legalized these horrors, this inhumanity. Governor Gosnell. And we're about to have a Governor Gosnell in Virginia, too. You know, people say to me, and they call, you hear them say, you know, um, Mark, this is so depressing, sometimes I have to turn it off. I'm going to tell you something. That's what they're counting on. You're just shaking your head, shrugging your shoulders, and say, what the hell? Well, Mark, what can I do? Well, when the President of the United States is fighting to try and secure the border, you back them. When there are organizations out there, March for Life movement and so forth, trying to fight this hideous uh, this hideous crime that's going on here you support them you join them you participate because the other side's not going to give up and this soft tyranny is heading toward a hard tyranny I'm just telling you right now I'll be right back From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Man, oh, Manischewitz, do we have a lot to get to. So, uh, Kamala Harris, who most of us never heard of a few years ago, uh, she came up with a cool idea, and that is Medicare for all, single payer, no more paperwork, get rid of the insurance companies, and just let the government handle it. Now, I would ask people who get some kind of government health care, Medicare, Medicaid, the VA, and so forth, is there no paperwork involved? There's a lot of paperwork involved. (laughs) Uh, But that said, I don't want to be part of any of those programs. None of them. I don't want to be part of any of those programs. I want to have my own private program. Matter of fact, I want more choices. So she's kind of tiptoeing it back, but she really isn't. She just showed way too much ankle, and all the others now are nervous. No, no, no. We we never said get rid of all the private health care. No, we said set up a nonprofit. You know, for other people, they have you know all kinds of screwball ideas in order to get around the private sector. Notice they never talk about how to create 
private competition, how to remove government controls. They never look back. It's not a problem of government. It's a problem of not enough government. Now, Bernie Sanders and Jane Sanders were in Moscow, or thereabouts, 1998, the newlyweds, somewhat of a honeymoon. And uh, they're caught on video. Now, it's amazing that this video didn't come out until now. Some newspaper put it out in, in Europe. Isn't that right, Rich? I think it was the London Times. And then they yanked it. And your friends in the media have done all they can to squelch it. Now imagine if they had this video with Donald Trump without a shirt on. In fact, they were all half naked in there, weren't they? Everyone, including the women? Oh, they had something on. Well, that's very sexist of the men. Um, so they're all there and they're drinking. And they seem to be drinking fairly heavily. They're having a grand old time. Uh, in uh, Moscow. And I want you to hear some of this. They're with their Russian comrades. You can't hear Bernie. really doesn't talk. But they do start singing. This land is your land. That's kind of an odd song when you're in Russia, isn't it? Well, not if you're Bernie and Jane Sanders. I'm sure this will be played like a loop on CNN and MSNBC other news uh, operations on other cable channels. I'm sure it'll be played over and over and over again. Not. But we'll try the audio. Let's see how it goes. Cut one, go. I can't really understand what they're saying. I'm waiting f- for this land is your land. Go ahead. Now they're singing about Russia. That's enough. Can't take it. That was a hell of a honeymoon, don't you think? All right, let's get back to business. Sherrod Brown is a senator from Ohio. Ohio is not a whacked-out left-wing state, but from time to time they elect them, like Howard Metzenbaum and Sherrod Brown. And uh, he's all in favor of Kamala's plan. He thinks it's terrific, and he's going to run for president, too. Cut to go. 
I'm thinking about the campaign poster right now, and I'm thinking about what would look good, and I'm thinking about your name, which is a very common American name, Brown, and I think about another name that's pretty common, Harris, and I'm wondering whether Harris Brown or Brown Harris looks good to you, because both of you guys are progressives. You're from different parts of the country. They're not progressives. They're radical progressives. As the spittle drips down this clown's chin onto his loafers. Go ahead. Tones to, their, to your ideologies, but probably similar in product in terms of pragmatics. What do you think of that? Ticket? Pragmatics. What, what's pragmatic about it? Anyway, go ahead. I don't know. I, I'm not going to comment. Ticket. I'll just say I, I like Kamala. I was um, amazed that uh, somebody called her un-American today for a proposal she had on health insurance that one of the billion. She is un-American when she's proposing destroying the health care industry. What's American about Hold on. Wait a minute. Let me, let me get this right. What's American about it? I don't think there's anything American about it. I was amazed when this billionaire, you know, one of the billionaires, even that kind of talk and tone. Why does it matter if somebody's a billionaire? Why do you hate them? All these people lined up at Starbucks. I say I'm not a special pleader for this guy, but what the hell? He created something somebody wants and somebody likes. Well, I don't care. He's a billionaire. He doesn't need all that money. You know, I get to decide that. Go ahead. Oh, um, I stand with her on that. We've stood together on a number of issues, and uh, I think very highly of her. So why are you running? If you're all a bunch of uh, left-wing kook zombies, why are you running? How about Joaquin Castro? As I've told you folks, they're all Castros is the way I see them. It's the Castro wing of the Democrat Party quite frankly. Backbenchers, you can go ahead and use that one. Anyway, he's being interviewed by uh, Wolf Blitzer. A stupider name there never was. Cut three, go. Let me get uh, your thoughts on uh, one sensitive issue that came up at the, the CNN town hall last night with Senator uh, Kamala Harris. She outlined All right, wait a di- minute. It's not Kamala, now it's Kamala? What is it, Kamala or Kamala. Does it depend on what part of the country? Kamala or Kamala? I thought it was Kamala. Go ahead. Medicare for all plan, but also said that that Medicare for all plan would eliminate private insurance plans altogether here in the United States. Do you support that plan? The thing is, I I would like to see these plans proposed in Congress have hearings on them through the committees. All right, dummy, that wasn't... Hey, Castro, that wasn't the question. Do you support the plan or not? What do you need hearings for? Do you want to abol- Folks, do you want to abolish the private health care sector or not? Can't Castro answer the question? No. Because he wants to, but he's trying to figure out how to say it. Go ahead. Before we take a position on any particular plan, whether it's from a sitting member of Congress or somebody that's running for president. Well, thanks for your non-answer. That was uh, very, very compelling. I'm sure all the uh, volunteers are going to line up for Castro. I can see the campaign buttons now in the bumper stickers, can't you? I'm for Castro. Vote Castro. You know? Castro believes in the people. Castro. I'm going to get some of those bumper stickers and, and, uh, and pins. I think they'd be pretty cool, don't you, Mr. Producer? Walk around with your Che Guevara shirt and your Castro sticker. Very, be very, very cool. Put it on your BMWs out there and your Mercedes uh, if you're really cool. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
Reuters, U.S. Special Counsel Robert Mueller's office said today that self-proclaimed hackers in Russia stole evidence in an attempt to tarnish its investigation of a firm charged with funding a Russian propaganda campaign to interfere in the 2016 U.S. election. Prosecutors said in a court filing in Washington that a Twitter handle called at Hacking Redstone came online last October 22 to brag that it had hacked some of the evidence in the case. We've got access to the special counsel Mueller's probe database as we hacked Russian server with info from the Russian troll case, unquote. The court document quoted the Twitter post as saying. In February 2018, Mueller indicted 13 Russians and three Russian companies with allegations of tampering in 2016. Support then Republican candidate Donald Trump. And all 34 people have pled guilty. You know, this is amazing. 34 people have pled guilty, been indicted, or otherwise swept up in the broader inquiry. This is Reuters. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the kind of reporting that is absolutely disgraceful. 34 people have pleaded guilty, been indicted, or otherwise swept under the broader inquiry. None of them having anything to do with colluding with Russia. None of them. Nothing. Zippo. Nada. Zero. Kaput. Poof. The companies named in the indictment included the Internet Research Agency, known for its trolling on social media, Concord Management and Consulting, LLC, which is said to have provided financial backing for the operation, and Concord Catering. The Twitter account linked to an online file, whatever. But anyway, they start mocking Mueller, taunting him. Enjoy the reading, it said. The data that appeared online was altered and disseminated as part of a disinformation campaign aimed apparently at discrediting ongoing investigations in Russian interference in the U.S. political system prosecutors right now look some of us are all cold war warriors and we have a great deal of concern about Putin his ambitions they're quite obvious he wants to rebuild Russia he's angry about what happened to Russia that is the old Soviet Union and so they unleash these uh, cyber war activities And they are to be fought. And I wish Obama had actually fought them in 2016. And Clapper. All those clowns. Brennan. I wish they had done something effective about it, but they didn't. I wish the FBI that Mr. Mueller used to run had competent people at the senior levels. Weren't busy chasing each other in underwear. Or weren't busy chasing the would-be, soon-to-be president of the United States and actually dealt with the Russians. But they didn't, at least not effectively. Now, Mr. Mueller says here that these Russians are trying to create uh, hostility towards investigation. Pretty much, I'm paraphrasing, says here, uh, let me find the, uh, the language. Got a zillion pieces of paper here. One second, please. Everybody, just sing your favorite show tune. Uh, Let's see here. Trying to discredit ongoing investigation into Russian interference in the U.S. political system. I would say this to Mr. Mueller. Maybe they're trying, but you've done a damn good job on your own. I will tell you that. 
You've done a damn good job on your, on your own. On the same day, a journalist contacted Mueller's office to report receiving a Twitter message from someone who said they had hacked a Russian legal firm and that uh, th- that had received the evidence from Concord's U.S.-based law firm Reed Smith. The illicit activity outlined by prosecutors illustrates the concerns of U.S. intel officials about continuing efforts by Russia to interfere in U.S. politics. The FBI has found no evidence the U.S. servers were compromised and the IP address of the account used to publish the materials originated in Russia, prosecutors said. Well, what, what is it that they want the court to do? What is it that they want the court to do? I don't know. You got a criminal investigation, and yet you have <coughs> Russian, uh, it's not espionage activities per se, but cyber warfare activities. And you see, the bottom line is Mueller is utterly incapable to do anything about it. He runs in the court, but they're not in the United States. They're in Russia. This should have never been handled in a uh, criminal environment. But that's what they do. There's some irony to it, really. But I won't get into that. Jorge Ramos. You've heard of Jorge Ramos, haven't you? He's at Univision. He is a dual citizen of the United States and Mexico. He votes in both federal elections. Uh, I think that should be outlawed, by the way. I think that should be outlawed. If you're a dual citizen, you don't get to vote in this country. That's my view. I'm sick and tired of the debasement of citizenship and the debasement of the franchise. And that's what's going on in this country. So uh, the Univision anchor, Jorge Ramos, uh, said on Tuesday that a border wall will not prevent illegal immigrants and drugs from entering the United States. They're from Breitbart. No matter how much you might want to seal the border between Mexico and the United States, it's simply not possible. You might temporarily stop, delay, and complicate or hinder the flow of immigrants and drugs from south to north, but nothing will ever stop it entirely, he said. Though it may upset some politicians who have spent years making false promises, this is the reality of the situation. Now, the reality of the situation is we have jerks like you who have allegiance to another country, in our country, with dual citizenship, anchoring for Univision, spreading your propaganda. Ramos, who has said that the United States has a responsibility to Central American immigrants, why is that? Said that if there's anything immigrants are known for, it's for their innovative thinking. Is he like the, uh, the president of would-be immigrants? How does he know? It's like any other group of human beings. Some are good, some are bad, some are smart, some are stupid, some are physically appealing, some are physically grotesque. Some are rocket scientists. Some uh, can't find their what from a what. When they come to a wall, they simply go around it or over it, or they find a ladder to climb it, or dig a tunnel underneath, or they arrive by plane and overstay their visas. Walls by themselves are pretty useless. So he's arguing against having any border. Tell me, is that the position of the countries in Central and South America? Is that the position of Bolivia and Honduras? And El Salvador, is that their position? No. Is that the position of 
of all these other countries in the third world? No, that's not their position. They fight to maintain their borders and protect their borders. But America, you can see, can be walked through, walked on, walked around. doesn't matter. Because here's what everybody around the world knows. We have a fifth column in this country. We have a weak underbelly in this country. It is the left. Whether they're elected to Congress, whether they're in the media, whether they're in academia, or whether they're in Hollywood. They undermine our country from within. I'll be right back. Mr. Right, Mr. Conservative, and Mr. Constitution. But you can call him Mark at 877-381-3811. By the way, the, uh, I used to call Ted Kennedy the Cape Cod Orca. We have a new Orca out there, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Christie. Henceforth, he'll be called the Atlantic City Orca, because that's what he is addition to being a putz, but I'll get into that in a moment. Now that Congress is under new leadership, it already seems to be on a mission to thwart our freedom, yours and mine. But too many representatives don't understand how to preserve liberty, and of course some, especially so-called progressives, actually seek to diminish it. I'm not expecting these progressives to learn these things, which is why we must. Our founding fathers counted on we the people to hold our government in check, And being able to do that means understanding the proper role of Congress. That's why for a limited time, my good friends at Hillsdale College have brought their powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress back. Absolutely free to equip you and me to know what we should be expecting from our Congress. Hillsdale is a magnificent place, and it's on a mission to restore liberty in our great country. And you can take their excellent online courses for free for a limited time. Sign up today for this critical course of levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't anymore at levinforhillsdale.com. Now, uh, what was I talking about, Chris Christie or the Atlantic City Cape, uh, the Atlantic City Orca? Let's see here. He, uh, he was on with Colbert. When you're on with Stephen Colbert, you only get to go on there if you're going to trash Trump or some other conservative. And uh, obviously they had to get a special chair for uh, old Chris. You know, nice big chair. And uh, here's what he had to say in his back and forth with uh, Steve Colbert. Cut, what is it? Cut five, go. No State of the Union tonight. Okay, no, it got no. canceled. Where do you think the wheels came off shutdown? Uh, the president blew it. When? When he shut the government down with no plan on how to reopen it. Entirely his fault, right? Listen, he uh, and, and I said this to him. Like, listen, if you're going to do this, all right, stop ba- right there. When you're talking to a president of the United States. And you're talking to a president of the United States in confidence. And I've spoken to this president in confidence a couple of times when he's contacted me. Or I've sent a, note, a message to somebody, and I don't do it often. You don't talk about what you said or what he said to you. That's totally inappropriate. 
And the Atlantic City Orca must know this. Hey, Mr. Producer, that's another ACO. Like Alexandria Ocasio. Oh, no, that's different. Anyway, go. Exit plan. Because sometimes in politics, things don't go the way you expect. Mm-hmm. And so if it doesn't go well in the first couple of days, you got to have a way to get it back open. So you called him. You talked to the president. I was actually with him. You I told him. You were with him in, what, in the Oval Office? Uh, no, upstairs in the residence. At the White and, House. And, and he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull one the, of the things, One of the things we talked about, okay. that he was thinking about doing it, and he asked my advice. Uh-huh. And so I said to him, I don't know. plan. Did he have an entrance plan? Like, well, what? what <laughs> this Stephen Colbert. Nobody funnier. Go ahead. <laughs> Obviously, he shut it. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, I just said to him, like, it's okay. It's a, it's a power you have, and, and if you want to do it, but you just have to have a plan so that you accomplish something by it. Yeah. And then reopen it. Kind of like I, that bridge. Remember that bridge there? Atlantic City Orca? You know. You close it, but at some point you have to open it and you have to have a plan. Remember that, Mr. Producer? George Washington Bridge. Big bridge. Go ahead. I think, given that it went 35 days, we had a plan. And he got uh, goose egg, I believe, is the technical term. Uh, yes, in, in, in politics, we call that getting rolled. And you would know, roly-poly. Now, let me tell you something. Some of you are saying, why are you making fun of his looks? I want to remind you, I am chairman of Fatties United or FU. Been for a long time. Now, folks, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. What do they mean he got rolled? It's open for three weeks. One week's down. We'll see how it goes. By the way, I just saw this guy, Steve Schmidt, is the top advisor to this Howard Schultz. Uh, I hope this Howard Schultz knows what he's doing. This guy, Schmidt, is a bigot, as far as I'm concerned. Certainly in his comments about me. And uh, he's a loser, too. He was McCain's guy. And he swung over to MSNBC to get a paycheck. I think he became an independent. Very foolish of this billionaire. Just giving him some friendly advice. But, of course, nobody will take my advice. Now, folks, uh, we have more election reform taking place. And whenever you hear the phrase election reform, you know that we're going to get screwed. One of the best editorial pages out there is Investors Business Daily. I've said this for years. And you really ought to check it out online. They point out that when President Donald Trump brought up the idea that non-citizens were casting ballots in elections, the reaction was fast and furious. Such a thing, if it exists at all, is exceedingly rare, we are told. But when one state decided to take a close look, it found something quite different. Listen to this. After a year-long voter for a probe, Texas discovered that, lo and behold, 95,000 people identified as non-citizens had voter registrations. What's more, 58,000 of them voted in one or more Texas elections. 95,000 people identified as non-citizens had voter registrations. 58,000 of them voted in one or more Texas elections. When Attorney General Ken Paxton led the state's investigation, he noted that Texas had already found 165 non-citizens in four counties who had cast 100 illegal votes in two years. But wait, 
Isn't all this stuff about non-citizens voting a load of bull? When Trump appointed a voter fraud commission in 2017, Democrats in the press howled in protest. Sure, Trump almost certainly exaggerated the number of non-citizen voters, but in response, Time Magazine declared that we, quote, know that ineligible non-citizens do not vote in American elections, unquote. Vox.com, the explanatory news site, derided Trump as, quote, indulging the long-standing myth of the non-citizen voter. Harvard researchers said there's no evidence that non-citizens vote. Less than a year after he put it together, Trump disbanded his commission, not because it didn't find anything, but because it faced a fusillade of lawsuits and stonewalling from state election officials. Of course, if you're not looking for evidence of non-citizens voting, you're not likely to find any, right? And it turns out that, for the most part, nobody's looking very hard. Because whenever anyone does look, what they find, as Texas did, is plenty of evidence that people who aren't U.S. citizens are casting ballots. After the 2016 elections, Ohio Secretary of State John Husted found 821 non-citizens registered the vote in the state, 126 had voted in 2016 or earlier elections. A 2013 analysis of voter registration by an outside group, not the state government, found 1,046 non-citizens registered in Virginia. A 2011 study found 12,000 non-citizens registered to vote in Colorado, 5,000 of whom did so in the 2010 midterm elections. Amazingly, the entire only citizens can register the vote protection is largely based on the honor system. Even in Texas, the state does not require verification of a voter's statement that they're a citizen. Now, if claiming this problem doesn't exist at all, the left says it doesn't matter because it's not widespread. But this is a clever dodge. Election fraud doesn't have to be widespread to be effective. In fact... The very purpose of election fraud is to flip extremely close elections. That doesn't take widespread voter fraud, just carefully targeted efforts. For example, in the 2008 election in Minnesota, the now disgraced Al Franken won by a tiny 312 vote margin. His victory gave Senate Democrats a filibuster-proof majority, which let them pass Obamacare. One study found that non-citizen voting in the election could have decided the outcome. The 2018 midterms featured an unusually large number of races decided by a relative handful of votes. What's more, non-citizens voting is only one of the ways that ballot integrity is being eroded, mainly by efforts on the left to make voting easier. As the Texas Attorney General points out, there are also concerns about mail-in ballot application fraud, unlawful influencing of voters, and unlawful mail ballot collection by voters. Harvesters. God almighty, I tell you. What explains Democrats' indifference to these kinds of voter fraud? Aren't they always chanting about how every vote counts? Well, every fraudulent ballot cancels out a legitimate one. So the threshold for dealing with voter fraud can't be when it's widespread. Everyone should have zero tolerance. Now, the most likely explanation for Democrats' indifference is that they benefit from sloppy enforcement of election laws. Now, the editorial page recently pointed out that several House elections in California could have flipped uh, from red to blue thanks to these sorts of fraudulent efforts. And California election officials seem clueless or utterly indifferent to whether non-citizens are voting in state elections. I actually think it's worse. I think they, they like it. 
I think they like it. And anytime you try and tighten up these laws, they say, you must be a, a racist. You're trying to uh, suppress the vote. You're, you know, the same crapola. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. some ways, I think the president is lucky in his re-election effort the way the Democrats are lining up. I mean, so hard left. So hard left. I mean, it's, it's a kook parade. As I say, it's the Castro wing of the party. And uh, all their proposals can be easily dealt with. But you, de- you need to deal with them. You, you need to use some sense and uh, some argument that's attractive, that can be articulated on a regular basis and pound away. You know, as a listener to this show, you're never surprised when I defend freedom, free markets, even when it's not popular. And sadly, that's too often the case. Because I don't care about what's popular. I care about what's right, and I care about what works. That's why I'm speaking out against Secretary Azar's player to tear down the most innovative sector of our economy. I'm talking about the biopharmaceutical industry, which is the innovation gem of our economy and the envy of the world. The U.S. drug industry commits $90 billion a year to R&D to bring more life-saving technologies to market than any other industry in the world. And I, I challenge you to find any politician, any group of bureaucrats, any department, any agency who can do that. They talk a lot. And by doing that, they employ countless of Americans, too. These are good-paying jobs that produce life-saving work. But Secretary Azar's plan to socialize the U.S. drug industry by dictating what drug companies can charge and what certain drugs seniors can or cannot have access to, regardless of what their doctors may prescribe, will put lives at risk. This is a continuation of the Obamacare model of centralized government health care, of the VA system, and an attack on the parts of the medical system that actually work. And because he's attacking the same drug companies that produce these life-changing and life-saving drugs millions uh, depend on, it's a problem. You remember Obama's war on coal? This is starting to look like Azar's war on medical innovation. We should be exporting freedom, not importing socialist ideas that produce poverty, scarcity, and rationing. Worst of all, his plan will kill the innovation needed to get the next breakthrough in cancer or Alzheimer's. I'm not going to sit by and let it happen, and neither should you. So to minimum, get the facts first. Go to TrueHealthFacts.com. TrueHealthFacts.com. That's TrueHealthFacts.com. All right. Let's see here. I'm looking. Uh, Natalie, Long Island, New York, the great WABC. Go. Hi, Mark. I'm so glad you decided to take my call. Um, I'm calling as a New Yorker, as a lifelong devout and practicing Catholic, and I want to just let you know that there are so many of us, just as devout, just as practicing, who are sickened, disgusted, and intensely sad about what Governor Cuomo did. Um, I spoke with my, the pastor of my church this past Sunday because I, d- I don't know how I didn't know this legislation was being uh, worked on, 
And after I heard that this was passed, I went to him and said, how, what's going, how, what is the church's feeling on this? He was so disgusted. He said, please, I, the man should be excommunicated. This is horrible. Um, I said, well, shouldn't this something be said from the pulpit? And he said, well, I included some information. Where, where's Cardinal Dolan? Well, Cardinal Dolan said something that made me totally ill. He said that excommunication should not be used as a weapon. That made me... What, what, what is he talking about? I have no clue. I, I, it is sickening to me. It is not a weapon. It is law. I mean, there are laws. I, I don't understand what he means. It's not a weapon. I mean, it, it, if, if somebody runs a red light, you're giving you a ticket, is that a weapon? No. There's laws and there's consequences. And this is far worse, as you well know, than running a red light. Absolutely. I, I have to tell you that when I found out what legislation was passed and exactly what was in this legislation, I was so staggered. I said to myself, we n- I now live in a barbaric society. It, it is barbaric. These, this, these things, I mean, I want folks, Natalie, everybody out there to think about it. Just think about how exactly would you, quote unquote, abort a baby that's being born? How exactly, let's be blunt, how are you going to kill that baby? What are you going to do? I would like to know, and I really would like to know, because I want to know what these people have in mind when they, when they says what they're going to do. I have talked to so many people who are of like mind with me, and, and, and they just cannot believe. How, how come the media don't really dig into this? They like it. They're happy with it. They think that a woman has a choice. Well, my, in my estimation, I was raised, you have a choice, and if you choose to engage in relations, you could be creating But a it's life. not just that. It could be a married, cu- married couple. Exactly. Oh, no, I know. I know. And I don't, I don't understand. Anybody can have this. But we go on and on about the story about Trump putting kids in cages, which is a lie. And it goes on for weeks. It goes on for a month. Here we have a governor that signed a bill that makes infanticide legal. And all they do is show him smiling, people around him smiling, signing the bill. They don't ex- really explain what this means. There's no graphics. There's nothing. Absolutely nothing. Horrifying to me when I even think about this. I, it makes me feel like there's just no hope. I mean, everywhere I turn, I think, okay, maybe, maybe we can make some kind of headway on this. I mean, we have a, a governor who's saying, yes, it's okay to kill babies. Uh, my son is a New York City police officer, and I, we have a mayor that he ties my son's hands. I, I cannot believe right. It, what happened? Right is not right anymore. Wrong is not wrong. It's all upside down. And how could anybody, anybody, conceive of aborting a baby at the point of labor? How, that is murder. It's not a. That's right. Let's stop calling that abortion. That is murder. Sure. That is infanticide, and that's been legalized in New York. The efforts underway in Virginia. When I came to Virginia, I don't know how many years ago, many, many decades ago, this was a conservative state. The Democrats were conservative. The Republicans were conservative. When the left takes something over, I say they're like locusts. Look how they've destroyed this state. I mean, the idea that this is even being discussed in this state is pretty unbelievable. All right, Natalie, wonderful call. My best to your son, too. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post. 
deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. It's amazing how the radical progressives position themselves. Here it is freezing, absolutely freezing in most of the country. Temperatures most of us have never seen before. And it's climate change. You know, 10 years ago, when they were pushing their global warming hoax, you would have said they're nuts. But that's why they they moved. That's why they steal the nomenclature. So if there's a hurricane climate change. There's a flood, climate change. Tornado, climate change. Forest fires, climate change. It's freezing, climate change. It's hot as hell, climate change. This is how it works. It's really quite grotesque. Now, we've made it easy for you to download the Mark Levin Show podcast. Doesn't mean you always have to listen to the podcast. It means it's available to you. And I really want all of you out in radio land, to try and do this, to try and do it. That way, one day, if you miss part of the show or all the show or if we're preempted or something of that sort, or you just decide, you know, I want to hear that show again, I want to play it for my liberal friend, I want to play it for my father, whatever it is, you'll have it on your computer, on your laptop, on your iPad, on your iPhone, on your Android, whatever. It's called the Mark Levin app. The Mark Levin Show app, actually. So here's what you do. We made it very, very easy for you. Those of you who know how to do this, those of you who are in the dark, like I always am on these things, you go to Mark Levin Show, marklevinshow.com. Marklevinshow.com. That's a web page. That's easy enough, right? Then you go to the page and you look at the upper right-hand corner. And you enter the keyword podcast. And then from there, you're off to the races. And then you can always listen to the podcast on the Mark Levin Show app. What I'm trying to do is make sure all of you have this option. We have all this new technology going on. This costs you nothing. I'm not charging you a penny. I would never charge you a penny for this. So... uh I want to strongly encourage you to do this. I'll do it later. You'll forget. You've got a lot of other things to do, you know, real things to do. So while I'm mentioning it to you, if you could just go to the marklevinshow.com, that's my main website, and search for the keyword podcast in the upper right-hand corner of the page. And then it'll tell you how to do this. You can use iTunes and Google Music or any other podcast reader Again, it's all self-explanatory there. It's a lot easier than doing your taxes. It's a lot less painful. It's more enjoyable. So if all you Levinites do it, I would very much think that it's a good idea. So I want to encourage you to do it. Now, this guy, Howard Schultz, he backed Obama. He backed Hillary. He's a lifelong liberal Democrat. And I mean liberal. Now he's kind of moving centrist. So he's under attack because he's a billionaire and he's surrounded by 
a bunch of, uh, you know, leftist kooks. They like their billionaires if the billionaires fund them and give them lots of money, the leftist kooks. You know, like Soros. You'll never hear them attack him for being a billionaire. Steyer, who is obsessed with impeachment, is a very sick man. Uh, you'll never hear them attack him or any of the other billionaire leftists who uh, try to pay for their own uh, protection. It's protection money, pretty much. Leave my industry alone, leave me alone, leave my family alone, and I'll keep funding your organizations. Howard Schultz, Schultz is defending himself now because he dared to think about running. I'm not voting for him. But he dared to think about running. He dared to think for himself. And he's not on the Castro train of the Castro wing of the Democrat Party. So here he is on the morning schmo show. And by the way, at one point during this show, I don't watch it. There's a clip out there. Mika Blazinski. I think she's very clever. She asked Howard Schultz, how much is a box of Cheerios? Now, I don't know how much a box of Cheerios is. Now, if you ask me how much a box of tricks or uh, Frosted Flakes are, I can tell you that. They're like three fifty nine, three seventy nine. Depends on what store you're going to. Also depends on the size of the box. But let's say I don't know. Who cares? Like she knew. She probably looked it up real fast. And how much is the price of being you? And by the way, my retort would have been, I don't know. But I also don't know how much it costs for a fifth of vodka, but Joe does. Joe, how much is that? What? What? How dare you? Anyway, cut seven, go. I've also been criticized for being a billionaire. Let's talk about that. I'm self-made. I grew up in the projects in Brooklyn, New York. I thought that was the American dream, the aspiration of America. No, it's not. Not now. Not with the cameo and the rest. The American dream is to get a handout. The American dream is to be a victim. The American dream is to find a slip and fall lawyer to sue somebody and, and really, uh, you know, go to town. The American dream is to be on every city, state, and federal program you possibly can. You don't want to be one of those filthy rich people. I also hear this line, we have a real income gap. Well, of course we have an income gap. It's a free country. Some people make more money than others. Why does that matter? Well, because this guy doesn't earn enough. Well, get off your ass and earn more. I don't even understand the point. So we have to destroy this guy, this guy, this guy. So that guy has what? Anyway, go ahead. You're going to criticize me for, for being successful when in my company over the last 30 years, the only company in America that gave comprehensive health insurance, equity in the form of stock options, and free college tuition, and Elizabeth Warren wants to criticize me for being successful? No. Well, he's <laughs> poor guy. He's caught between two worlds. One is the rational world of a businessman. The other is the irrational world of a leftist. And notice they never talk about the Constitution. Under what constitutional provision does the government have the right to do this? And don't hand me some damn Supreme Court decision. Precedent, Supreme Court. You know what? The Supreme Court's supposed to follow the Constitution, too. And if it doesn't, why do I have to follow their precedent? Anyway, just a theoretical point. 
Let's go to cut eight. There's Willy Geist. Willy Geist. Where's Heilemann and Geist? Uh, Willy Geist. Cut eight. Go. Do you think Elizabeth Warren's a serious person on taxes? I think she's a serious person, yes. Uh, she, she came to see me a few uh, years ago. By the ago. way, she's not a serious person. She's a circus clown. She's a dangerous person. You know what I think? Where's my husband? Look at my husband. We're here together. Where's my beer? Let me take a sip of beer. You don't sip beer. You drink. No, no, no. Sure, I'm cool. I'm on Facebook. Live. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, welfare tax, which is nothing more than a confiscation program. It really steps over a line. Even Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Even he didn't do that. But Elizabeth Warren, we need more. We need a Green New Deal. We need a, we need a wealth tax. We need a 70 to 90% marginal top rate tax. Oh, just getting started. We need to eliminate private health care. Oh, we need an open border. What do we need borders for? Besides, the people coming here are more noble and work harder than the American citizen. Which is such BS. Go ahead. For a contribution for her Senate race. Did you give it to her? I did not. Okay. Why? Wow. I don't believe what Elizabeth Warren is. Wait a minute. You didn't give money to Warren for the Senate? Wow. What the hell's wrong with you? We here on the morning schmo table here, we can't believe you didn't give money to the Warren for Senate race. Go ahead. I don't, I don't believe the country should be heading to socialism. You think she's a socialist? I think she's No, believes- no. How could she be a socialist when she wants to steal people's wealth? She's a patriot. She's a great American. She's a, she's a capitalist. You think she's a socialist? Actually, I think she's a Marxist. What? Yes, a Mar- read them. A Marxist. Go ahead. In programs that will lead to a socialism in America. She's a smart woman. I respect her. This isn't personal. I just don't agree with her. Well, I don't think she's that smart. She had a claim she was part in, uh, Indian in order to get into various positions and so forth. She must not think she's that smart. And when you hear her speak, she sounds as dumb as a rock, does she not? And by the way, so does... Kamala, what, how do you pronounce Harris's first name? Kamala. Kamala. It was Kamala. Now she's running for president. It's Kamala. And so does Kamala Harris. And same with AOC. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. AOC. I'll be right back. Mark Let us go to Weil, Salt Lake City, Utah, XM Satellite. How are you, sir? Hey, pretty good. How are you doing, Mark? Lovely. Thank you, sir. Great, great. I'm over here in uh, lovely uh, Connecticut, and about 13 degrees outside. Hey, oh, I'm no, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're driving there? Isn't a little, uh, is it snowing there? Is there ice there? Yeah, it's snowing ice here. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cold. So what do you do? Is there a place where truckers go and they park, or they you just go to a motel, or what do you do? 
I'm at the rest stop right now. I'm headed into Massachusetts, Boston. I'm, I'm delivering produce over there. So you got to get uh, it in and, there. Uh, yeah, and I'll, and I'll go over there and deliver and then head down to New Jersey and pick up a load going home to Salt Lake. Anyway, I was I was calling you about uh I was calling you about this uh about this abortion you know this this uh, thing that's going on around the nation now it's it's like um I mean this is murder yeah you know, yep. there's no there's no way around it it's murder and uh mm-hmm. you know I mean Scott Peterson uh, went to went to prison and got a got the death penalty out in California for the same thing you know he killed uh, Lacey Peterson and the unborn child and they gave him the death penalty because of the unborn child. So I don't understand how they can get away with this. I must confess, I remember the case. I don't remember the the outcome in that respect. But uh, I, I don't know how they get away with it either. First of all, apart from everything else, the immorality of it. How is yeah, it that yeah, we right. have? How is it that we have a major political party? Might be the biggest one, and millions and millions of people who think this is okay. How is that possible? I, I I don't understand where the, I mean, where you know where the outrage is. I mean, people should be you know marching in the streets against this stuff in their states. I you know I really don't understand it. And they're up there applauding it and you know giving high fives and laughing about it and everything else. It's crazy. Also, um, I want to bring up the thing about the border. You know, the Donald Trump building the wall. Um, I don't understand. Uh, like I had, I spent uh, eight thousand dollars this this last year on on going across the George Washington Bridge to deliver produce. Why can't he put some kind of a uh, port authority down there on the border and 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 collect the money from people coming in from out of the country? You know, I mean, they use our roads, they use our infrastructure. You know, why why can't he? You know, uh, might might be a little bit of a traffic jam. You know. Yeah, well, it's a traffic jam at the border anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Going across the George Washington Bridge. I don't know why we can't just do the right thing. We've got these uh, miscreants and malcontents called the uh, Democrats in Congress standing in front of us. I mean, yeah. there's so many things that we could get done in this country, don't you think? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Them crazies have went so far off the edge. I don't. I mean, I can't even begin to comprehend. But there must be a lot of them. I lived in California for years, and I left California, moved to Utah, and, and it was like night and day. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Now you have Romney. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I didn't vote for him. I, I just left it blank. I didn't even. I don't blame you. What a complete uh, loser. He's a, he's a he's a liberal. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing, man. He was up there Romney care up in you know uh, Massachusetts. You know, you're right. Come on, come on. You know, um, hey, didn't you have a guest on last night? Uh, that was talking about. I don't know if it was you or Andrew. Um, was Vic- Victor about, uh, Davis Hanson. I had on last night. Uh, okay, um, Victor Davis Hanson. Okay, somebody had Peter. Somebody on there that was an author of. No, I didn't have Peter. Anybody. Man, I gotta go. Don't get angry. I don't mind bringing up other hosts, but I don't want to redo their shows on my show. It just doesn't make it for good radio. Thank you, sir. Scott, Staten Island, New York, the great WABC. Go. Hey, Mark. Good to speak to you, sir. Thank you. Um, I, I just wanted to, I wanted to say something else, but you brought up Chris Christie, and uh, I thought that was disgusting what him and uh, Colbert were doing. And I don't know if you saw him, Mark, but they were also did three shots of, uh, I think it was tequila on the show as well. Uh, and they had a good old time over there, him and his new buddy. Um, the only way well, you get on that show is if you trash Trump. That's it. Well, yeah, also, and uh, he had a good time today on that other left-wing kook show, The View, with the with those five liberal nuts. Uh, and he did the same exact thing. And you know what, Mark? I'm I'm so sick of it. 
all his buddies, all the president's friends, they go on these left-wing kook shows, and they show what they show what real friends they are against this man. And all this man is trying to do is do the right thing for this country. And they have the nerve to go on all these disgusting shows and belittle him. And the, he's the president of the United States. How they belittle him and make fun of him on TV. No, you what? see, I I told the president, you're going to do this. You got to figure a way out of this. Christie is a complete failure, a complete failure. Jacked up the uh, the the uh, tax on gasoline, sold the people out on property taxes. I mean, he was a complete failure. A complete failure, Mark, and the bridge gate. You know, he's just a failure, and uh, I, that's what I wanted to call just to let you know that I think he's a disgrace. And uh, thank God we have you on the president's side. That's all I can say, Mark. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you very, very much. And even when I disagree with the president, it's not on a lot of things, but I'm very respectful about it because I know that they're trying to take him out. And we can't have that. Not one of these coups. I won't part. I'm telling you right now, I've told you the other night, the quickest way for me to be on all these network shows and these clown shows late at night is to start trashing the president. The quickest way for me to be on all these websites and so forth, like Coulter, is to just start trashing the president. Well, you know what? I've got to do what I believe in. I've got to do what I believe in. He's trying to fight the good fight on the border. He's trying to fight the good fight on immigration. We'll see how that turns out. We're not going to put up with amnesty, I can tell you, from anybody. You can already see McConnell and the Republicans buckling in the Senate, so I'm extremely concerned about this. <clears throat> it hasn't happened yet, so we'll, we'll keep our powder dry for sure. But, uh, but so many things he's done that are right. So many things he's done that I don't think any of these other Republicans would have done. And this needs to be acknowledged and supported. And look what we're up against on the left, for God's sakes. I'll be right back. It's true that Mark Levin is the fastest growing radio show in America. The Mark Levin Show is on at 877-381-3811. This is the third biggest radio show in America. It's not even close. And for a program that runs on the East Coast at 6 p.m., on the West Coast at 3 p.m., that's really quite remarkable. It'll never happen again. I'm just telling you the truth. When I decide to leave radio, nobody will be as big in this time slot. And by the way, I'm not bragging. It's not because of me. It's because of you. You've done this. I, I couldn't do this without you, and I want to thank you. It has to be appointment radio when you listen at 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. on the East Coast and other times around the country, truly. No one should feel unsafe at home, period. Fear has no place in a place like home. That's been Simply Safe's mission from day one. You'll even see a commercial about it during the big game this Sunday. Be sure to check it out. Simply Safe system was designed to blanket your whole home with protection. Their around-the-clock professional monitoring makes sure police are on the way when you need them. The system is completely wireless. You can install it yourself in under an hour. And by the way, it's a lot of fun to do it. And Simply Safe security sensors are tiny. They blend in with your home so you won't notice them, and crooks won't notice them either. The Verge calls Simply Safe the best home security, and it's a wire cutter top pick. Because as more than 3 million 
Simply Safe customers already know. Feels good to fear less. Join them right now. Protect your home with Simply Safe. You'll get free shipping on any system order. Just visit simplysafemark.com to get started. That's simplysafemark.com. Simplysafemark.com to protect your home and family today and to get free shipping on your order. Simplysafemark.com. You know, I don't like playing all this audio all the time, but there's too many important things I want to point out to you. I've been saying for a long time now that the Democrat Party is increasingly anti-Semitic. They embrace anti-Semites like the two first women Muslims ever elected to the House of Representatives. I had implored on this program the governor of Arizona to appoint the first conservative Muslim American to the United States Senate, Zudi Jasser, but instead he bows to the demands of McConnell and picks this McSally. Good job, Ducey. Anyway, Tom Perez is a left-wing hack, and he was on Fox News yesterday being interviewed by a real journalist, Brett Baer. He was asked about this woman's march and the anti-Semitic concerns about it. Cut nine, go. You recently pulled the DNC out of a women's march. Was it because of concerns about anti-Semitism? Well, we, we were uh, we had a host of concerns and we wanted to make sure that uh, we were clear in our values. And, mm-hmm. and, and the Democratic Party, our, our platform has been very clear about Israel. It's been very clear about a dignity for both Israel and the Palestinian people. Hey, pal, he asked you about anti-Semitism. Why are you rambling on like a moron? He didn't ask you about the Palestinians. He asked you about anti-Semitism in the Women's March. Isn't it amazing, folks? Can't denounce it. And he won't denounce it. Go ahead. Solution is the way to go. A two-state solution negotiated directly by the party. Anti-Semitism, pal. You didn't answer the question. Go ahead is what we have to do. And frankly, I think this administration, through their wedge actions, their divide and conquer actions, has made This administration has been the best friend Israel's ever had out of the White House. You jerk. Unlike Obama. How the hell can you be pro-Israel and pro-these fools? I really want to know. No, I don't. Meanwhile, Representative Ilhan Omar, one of the first of the two women Muslims ever elected to the House. She's on not Yahoo News yesterday. Why? Because she's a Yahoo. And she compares Israel to Iran. Listen to this one. Cut 10, go. How can America work productively towards a just and lasting peace between Israelis and Palestinians, in your opinion? By having an equal approach to dealing with both. Most of the things that have always been aggravating to me is that we have had uh, a policy that makes one superior to the other. And we mask it with a conversation that's about justice and a two-state solution when you have policies that clearly prioritize um, one over the other. Well, we'd love to embrace Hamas. But, you know, it's a terrorist organization. It's been certified as a terrorist organization. And, of course, the Palestinian Authority under Abbas, we'd love to embrace them, too. Except they pay their people to kill Jews. Becomes a problem. Two-state solution. 
How's that worked out with the Gaza Strip? In my humble opinion, a two-state solution for the Jews is the final solution. Just my opinion. But let's listen to the genius. Go ahead. Um, I mean, just our relationship really with uh, the Israeli government and the Israeli state. And so when I see Israel Institute um, law that that recognizes it as a a Jewish state and does not recognize... Can't have uh, that. Can't have a Jewish state. Can have Muslim countries. That's okay. You can't have a Jewish state. Why? Well, but the, the Jews, you can't, they can't have their own state, you know. But it is a Jewish state. It was founded as a Jewish state. Well, we can't have that. And by the way, the Arabs and Muslims and Jerusalem have more rights than they have, let's say, in the Gaza Strip under Hamas or under Abbas. Abbas imprisoned a Palestinian-American, again, with dual citizenship, imprisoned this person for selling his property to a Jew. Remember that case I told you about? Go ahead. The religions that are that are living in it, and we still uphold it as a democracy in the Middle East, I almost chuckle because I know that if you know we 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 say we see that in, in any other society. As she rambles on with her anti Semitism. So in other words, Israel is not a democracy. And we need to, however, look at Hamas and the Palestinian Authority on equal levels with Israel. Now, they're democracies, ladies and gentlemen. They're swell. This is poison, absolute poison. And the fact that Perez, the head of the Democrat Party, wouldn't condemn her or condemn the march or any of that is quite telling. Go ahead. We would criticize it. We would call it out. We do that to Iran. We do that to any other place that sort of upholds its religion. Uh, And I see that now happening with Saudi Arabia. And so I am aggravated, truly, um, in, in, in those contradictions. She sees what happening with Saudi Arabia. Well, I want to thank the people of Minneapolis, St. Paul, for sending that genius to Congress. Almost like the folks in Deerfield, Michigan. You sent your genius too. Now the Democrat Party has this poison growing within its ranks. And it's not just with these two women. It's with Keith Ellison, Keith X. It's with Bernie Sanders, quite frankly. And it's with others. And you'll see as immigration continues with more and more people coming from this part of the world, that is the Middle East, And with the Democrat Party moving further and further left, you'll see the joining of of political forces between the hard left, which quite frankly has always been anti-Semitic, and some of these immigrants. You're going to see this. And frankly, it's the Republican Party that stands up against this. And I just want you to hear it because... She doesn't even want to talk about a two-state solution. Perez is mumbling on about a two-state solution. It's incredible to me how the press covers this up, too. I mean, they may do one thing on it and so forth and so on. But Steve King, boy, you'll hear that endlessly. Endlessly, 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 endlessly. Okay. But you have multiples of that in the Democrat Party. In fact, if you look at 
MSLSD, and I know most of you don't, they have Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton has said some really hideous things. He is a anchor man on the weekend, I believe, for MSNBC. Is that not shocking? All right. Let's take a call. Let us go to Brent, Los Angeles, California, 870 The Answer. We're, we're live and national. KRLA, go. Mark, may God bless you. And thank you so much for representing me and all true Americans. Uh, I wanted to talk about what they call abortion. We're not dealing with abortion anymore. We're dealing with human sacrifice. This is, this is old school paganism. This is mm-hmm. satanic socialism. And we're sacrificing our babies to the satanic state at this point. The, the Aztec and the Maya, the Canaanites, would look at us with astonishment and go, what, what kind, are they insane? What kind of body counts are they creating here? You're so right. This, How come we don't have a PETA for human beings? I, I mean, the, 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 the entire pretense of progressive leftist love and compassion. But look at this. You have, a Catholic, you have a Catholic governor, and he parades his Catholicism around. And he hides behind it to advance these ultra-radical... I'm sure he's going to run for president, don't you think? He, I would imagine. But every single one of the Ten Commandments is being destroyed by these demonic Democrats. He's, when you say he's Catholic, that's the, the epitome of using God's name in vain. In the name of God, he's murdering children. They're stealing. They're coveting. They're bearing false witness. What what are they not doing? You know, uh, you see this in Catholicism, you see it in Christianity, generally you see it in Judaism and so forth, uh, where people say, you know, I'm Jewish. And then they, and then they support views that are so anti- anti-ethical to Judaism. You say to yourself, well, you might be Jewish. But you're not really practicing now, are you? And that's really the situation with Cuomo, isn't it? Just because you show up at church on Sunday doesn't mean anything. Judaism isn't a blood cult. It's not about our blood. It's about our values and our beliefs. And once you throw the Torah out and the Bible and the Ten Commandments to call yourself a Jew, this is, this is Marxism and Muhammad are eclipsing the teachings of Moses. This has got to stop. You, you know, you know in, at least in that respect, Marxism and leftism a uh, very good book I forget the name it was written by Andy McCarthy about this how these ideologies overlap and they really do overlap and you can see it more and more Brent great call I appreciate it buddy we'll be right back in. Relationship, there are a couple important dates that require roses. Birthdays, anniversaries, Valentine's. Of course, my birthday is a national holiday. But Valentine's is around the corner. So when you're looking for the biggest and best quality roses out there, check out my friends at 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, you can get 18 red roses for $29.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for 10 bucks more. That's an unbelievable offer from 1-800-Flowers, 18 red roses for $29.99, or upgrade to 24 red roses for $10 more. Roses from 1-800-Flowers 
are picked at their peak and shipped overnight to ensure freshness and her amazement. 18 red roses, $29.99, or upgrade to 24 red roses for $10 more is the perfect reward for thinking ahead and ordering early. Bouquet prices will be going up soon, and they always do this, so you need to act. So take advantage today. Pick your delivery date. Let 1-800-Flowers handle the rest. When it comes to life special occasions, I don't settle for anything less than my rose authority, 1-800-Flowers.com. To order 18 red roses for $29.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for only $10 more, go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click the radio icon, and enter code LEVIN. That's 1-800-Flowers.com, code LEVIN. Harry, offer expires today, which means you've got three hours on the East Coast. Do we have a liberal up there, Mr. Producer? Uh, No? It's funny how liberals don't call this show. I try to treat them with the greatest respect. Their genius, their brilliance, and yet they don't call. So let me go to a regular American. Mike Blythe, California, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Mark, I want to see the president on the 5th this Tuesday at the State of the Union address. Yes. Talk to the American people and say, the government's going to shut down once again because there's no agreement. And second, say that we need to start going for a convention of states and explain what exactly that is. That would be good because uh, the latter point anyway. No, I think you ought to say, okay, the clock is ticking. I'm going to pull the National Emergencies Act out. It's been used 51 times. It's still 32 emergencies are still in place. It's been used by presidents before me. I didn't create this law. Uh, And we're going to trigger this act because, obviously, the Democrats do not want to secure our border. And as president of the United States, I do. And let the chips fall where they may. And all the phony conservatives and left-wing kooks can crow as much as they want. Thank you for your call, my friend. Brett, Springfield, Missouri, the show-me state. KSGF. Don't show me, just tell me. I'll more than happy to. Uh, good evening, Mark. Thanks for all you do. Thank um, you. On the on the Jewish state, I I guess I'm tired of listening about the two state solution and hearing how that's the answer. You know, part of a, I mean a, necess- a necessary requirement of a, of a of a of a good faith negotiation is that all parties recognize the other party's legitimacy mm-hmm. to be there at the table and to actually exist. How can you have a two state solution when one party? In their charter, the Palestinians deny the right for the uh, for a Jewish state to even exist, or for the and, and claim they have a right to return, which means wipe them all out. Exactly. Let me ask. Let me ask you a question. Where was Christianity born? Uh, Middle East, Israel. What what city? In Bethlehem. It said Bethlehem, right? Yeah. How many Christians are left in Bethlehem? Uh, none. How many Christians are left in the Middle East? Uh, not many. Well, most of the who exist live in Israel. Tell me, how many Christians exist in, a, in Iraq, in uh, Saudi Arabia, next, 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 next in Jordan, them. in all the other little fiefdoms? Well, they're probably in jail if they are. Very few. Look what's happening to the Christians in Egypt, even, how they're under attack. So the Jews should leave, the Christians should leave, and what? Just the Muslims? 
exactly. I mean, it, I mean, it just absolutely makes no sense. I mean, you're exactly right that the that the two state solution is the final solution, and that's the end game. And why there's so many people on the left that throw in with this is is absolutely just beyond me. I don't know if it's. Let me guess. You're an evangelical Christian. Yes, sir. They're the best friends of Israel. Absolutely. Absolutely is right. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I've got to grab this call. Thank you. Alex, Wichita, Kansas, the great KNSS. Go. Hey, Mark. Hey, good to talk to you. You got 40 seconds. Go. Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on why you shill so hard for Israel. You act like Hamas is like... Why do I shill for Israel? You try to make it all about Hamas when it's a double-sided thing. The U.N. declared Israel an apartheid state. Oh, the U.N. declared Israel. Oh, very good. I wish I could reach through the phone and poke you in the nose. You know that, pal? But there's nothing I can do about that. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I'll see you right here tomorrow, folks. And, pal, you should be glad I don't see you nose to nose. We'll be right back. That is tomorrow. Tomorrow.